We're going to be learning Lukuti Sichis Chelakitas, the third Sicha for Parsha's Devarim. In this week's Parsha, it starts with the address that Moshe Rabbeinu gives to the Jewish people before he passes away. And he tells them the history of, uh, of how they were from the time that they left Har Sinai. And he tells them that 40 years ago, when Hashem tells us that you've been at Har Sinai for too long now, it's time to travel to Eretz Yisrael. And in Pasuk Tessa continues that at that time, Hashem told me that I'm unable to bear your burden alone. And he has to appoint judges. And he explains to them the reason he is, is because Hashem has made you great and he's made you numerous. And because of that, I cannot be the only one who could take on this burden. I need to have other judges to assist and therefore he has to make the judicial system. In Pasuk Yeralaf, it tells us these words. Uh, he tells them, Hashem uh, the God of your father should add to you as you are presently a thousand times times whatever you are now, which would be two billion. Because uh, the Jewish people are about 600,000 men with children and women, but two million, so it would have been two billion people. And then he continues, and she bless you like he has spoken to you. So in other words, just shot is that he's telling them the reason why I'm unable to be the only judge is because you're already so great and numerous and you have a blessing and you're blessed that you're only going to have even more than you are currently now, are now. So, of course, I cannot be the only judge. So Rashi comments on this Pasuk. Yosef Aleichem Kachem Elapam Hashem should add to you as you currently are a thousand times more. And he asks, He says, what is this Pshat? What's the meaning of the end of the Pasuk? That he should bless you like he has spoken to you. What is that adding? The beginning of the Pasuk tells us the bracha that you should have a thousand times more than you currently are. What is the end of the Pasuk? That he says you should be blessed like he already spoke to you. What exact? What does that refer to? So the Jewish people said to Moshe, "You are giving a set amount, an end, a, a limit to our bracha." But Hashem has already promised of Ramavinu that if his his children will not be able to be uh, counted, as the pasuk says over here, if you're able to count the dirt which is on the ground, then you will be able to count. Uh, my children. In other words, as Rashi explains, it means you will not be able, just like you cannot count the dirt which is on the ground, you will also not be able to count the Jewish people. So they're asking you, Moshe Rabbeinu, are saying just a thousand times more, but Hashem made it unlimited. So Amalahem, so he replies, He says, this is on my own bracha, but he will bless you as he has already spoken to you. So in other words, Rashi wants to learn that the Pasuk is telling us two things. First, there's the, pas- uh, there's the bracha that he's giving, which is a thousand times more than they currently are. And then the end of the Pasuk is a reply to the Jewish people when they said, hey, wait a second, we already have a bracha from, from Hashem that we won't be able to be counted. So he says, yes, the bracha that you got from Hashem is still going to be mukwin. So all the Mepharshim ask a very obvious question. What's the point of Moshe Rabbeinu's bracha? If he's saying that, once we already have the bracha of Hashem, that we're going to have an unlimited amount of descendants, that you won't be able to count them, what is Moshe Rabbeinu adding by saying that you're going to have descendants which are a thousand times more than you currently are? That's already included in what Hashem promised. It's not actually telling us anything more. So all of them, before Hashem asked this question, and, and there's a few different approaches what they give to explain this. One approach is from the Gerariye, and he tells us that when Moshe Rabbeinu gave the bracha, sorry, when Hashem gave the bracha, there's conditions involved. That in order to get the bracha of Hashem, of this, that's only if you're doing 
But Moshe Rabbeinu's bracha was without any type of tanai, therefore it could be chal right away. And as the Mephoshim Aral explained just a little bit deeper, deeper, and the reason why I'm explaining it just deeper, because it will be relevant also for the Rebbe's shot later on, is that whenever an individual gives a bracha, the bracha always is according to who that individual is. For example, by Bilam, it says that by his brachas, it was tchilasai shalva v'seifai yisurim, that the beginning of the brachas were peace, and the end was about suffering. And the reasoning is, it's because since Bilam was a Russia, and that is what happens to Russia, a Russia has first shalva, and then eventually he has yisurim at the end. So therefore his bracha is according to who he is. So similar, same thing over here, when Hashem gives a bracha, Hashem is infinite. So Hashem also gives a bracha which is infinite. When Moshe Rabbeinu gives a bracha, he gives a bracha which is finite. And therefore, it's able to be chal on the Jewish people. So why is it that Moshe's bracha doesn't need any tanayim while Hashem's does? The reasoning is because since Hashem is infinite, we don't, in Oilam Hazah, we have no connection to something which is infinite. We're not able to connect to Hashem or to accept Hashem's brachas with, with our infinite. The only way for us to be able to accept these brachas is if we have a kli that Hashem gave us. Hashem gave us the kli that is able to receive these infinite brachas. What is the kli? The Ratzon of Hashem, the Torah Mitzvah. So if we're doing the Torah Mitzvah exactly Hashem wants, so that's the kli that Hashem gave us that is able to be maxik the bracha of, of this bleakful blessings that Hashem wants to give. So you have to do all the tanaim. Once you have all the tanaim, that is the only way to make this kli. And then we're able to receive the blessings of Hashem. But Moshe Rabbeinu, the reason why he gave us the bracha was because of his love for the Jewish people. So he didn't put any tanaim to those blessings. And since Moshe Rabbeinu is connected to us, he is shaykh to us, he's also in Oil Haza, his blessings is able to be hal, even if we're not 100% deserving of these blessings. Because uh, by, by, by the very fact that Moshe is a gavul and we're a gavul, we already have a connection. That's one approach. The second approach, which is given by the Maskal of David and others, is based on the Medrash Rabbah and the Sifri on this Pasuk. Um, the Sifri says, um, which is the also the source of Rashi, so the Sifri brings a mushal for this concept. He says it's like a mushal of a king who's leaving the country and he wants to give over his uh, treasures to his child. But he knows if he gives it over to the, the child, it might get ruined and, and destroyed. So what he does is he, he appoints, not Petrupus, he appoints the guardian to take care of the property until the child's older. And then when he's older, then to give it him at that point of time. So when the child gets older, um, he comes to that Petrupus and he wants to get uh, the property. So the Petrupus doesn't give him. He only gives him a, doesn't give him everything. He gives him a set amount. And he tells him, uh, whatever I'm giving you, is actually for myself. It's Mishali, it's for my own. But what the, your father, the king, has given you, we're holding on to it for later. It's going to be guarded for you until you're ready for it. So similarly, this is what Moshe is telling the Jewish people. There's two blessings. The blessing that Hashem gave you, um, we're holding it for La'asad Lava. We're holding it for the future because you're not able to, if you were given to you now because of your sins and Golas and everything that's going to happen, you're going to destroy the Baracha and it's nothing going to be left over for La'asad Lava. Therefore, I'm going to give you my, my, my own bracha. And this bracha will help you survive through Golas. And then you'll get the emes of bracha that comes from Hashem. And that's when you, you know, it will be able to be guarded and be appreciated. And it will be able to, it will be, able to be lasting. So in other words, according to the Guru, that's to summarize, according to the Guru Aryeh, the difference between the bracha of Hashem 
and Baruch of Moshe is that Moshe's Baruch is able to happen without any types of conditions, while Hashem's Baruch can only happen if the Jewish people are deserving. According to the Master of David, based on the Medrash, the difference would be that Moshe's Baruch is able to happen by Olam Hazeh, while Hashem's Baruch is, is really being held for the Jewish people, also therefore it's not relevant for, for right now. And that's why Moshe Rabbeinu gave his own bracha. Um, there are a few, those are the two answers that the Rebbe focuses on. But the truth is there are some other uh, answers that are mentioned in the Haaris which are very fascinating. So just give maybe a, a few of them. Okay, so we have an answer from Tzidah Lederich. He tells them that Moshe Rabbeinu blessed them with chashivas, that they're going to be important. Elapam kacha means that you're going to be a thousand times more important than you are. And Hashem, of course, blessed them with offsprings. Others want to say the Be'er Sadat is you'll be blessed like the stars. And in addition to be being blessed with how many stars there are, I'm going to give you like another, you know, like another bonus that you'll be a thousand times, an extra two billion over that. Others want to say, this is from the uh, Uriah Shleima, that after Hashem's bracha is cha, that you will be like the, the dirt of the earth and the stars of the heaven, Moshe Rabbeinu says you're going to actually have a thousand times more than how many stars there are. So these are all different approaches of how, how Moshe is adding to the bracha of Hashem. Um, but the main problem with all these approaches are, is that it's not, there's no remez for it within the words of Rashi itself. Rashi doesn't say anywhere that Moshe's brachas is without conditions, while Hashem's bra- uh, sorry, and Hashem's brachas is with condition, or that Moshe's brachas for Pizmah Hazah and, and Hashem's brachas is lost, although he doesn't hint to any of these concepts. And definitely he doesn't say anything that it means chashivas, that Moshe's bracha is a bracha for chashivas, while Hashem is for offsprings. And this concept uh, that, that you'll have a thousand times more than the chashmaim is for sure not mashma in the Pasuk, because the Pasuk says that you will be blessed a thousand times how you are now, kachem. Elopam kachem means a thousand times more than you are kachem as you are right now in front of me. So it's not a thousand times more than when you're going to have all, you're going to be like the stars, then you're going to another one. It's kachem how you are right now. So that also doesn't fit. And according to the other shot, that it means, uh, you know, you're going to be like the stars, plus I'm going to be making you like the two million. That's also very hard to understand because the whole purpose of being like the stars means that they're not going to be able to be counted. So if you're not going to be able to be counted, saying another two million over a number that isn't counted, again, doesn't really add anything. So that's, none of these answers uh, are, are hinted in Rashi, first of all. And more than that, or in, and some of them have an additional problem that um, there, there's logical issues and how, how would they fit within the Pasuk itself. So in order to stand this, understand this concept, we're going to first give a little introduction of an interesting idea which brought in Sefer Chikira. And then we're able to explain more what was bothering Rashi and what was bothering uh, the Medrash. Uh, the Sefer Chikira tell us that it's the idea of ain't the idea of infinite is not possible by numbers. It's also not possible by time. Because anything which is uh, uh, which which has a number which is made up of units is something that's able to be counted. It's able to be you're able to add, you're able to take away. So anything which could you add to it or take away from it can never truly be something which is infinite. And the example, there's a few examples for this, and also we'll give you the logical reasoning behind it. So just to give an example, and then I'll give you the logic. Is that let's say you have time. So you have time, which is, uh, you could have time, which are days, 
and you can have hours and you can have minutes and you can have seconds. So if I ask you what's more, infinite amount of hours or an infinite amount of seconds? So you're gonna, it's the same thing, right? Well, infinite amount of hours, infinite amount of seconds, it's the same thing, but how could it be the same thing? If one is 60 seconds, the, the minute has to be 60 times greater than the second. So if I have an infinite amount of minutes, it's automatically by the nature of what we're talking about, it has to be 60 times greater than the seconds. But it's actually not any greater because they're both infinite. So it doesn't make sense when you're talking about units. That's an example that when you have units, it doesn't have any, any more meaning anymore. A minute and a second is the same thing. There is no minutes. There is no seconds because either way that you're going to say it, it's anyway is going to be, it's either way going to be something which is infinite. Maybe another example. If I say you have an infinite amount of tables, how many do you have? They're infinite. What if you break up all the tables in half? So now it's every table is really two. So you have two, two times more than you had previously. So, but you, does that mean you have double the amount of tables? No, because it's infinite. But how could that be? If you're breaking the tables in half, that means you have double the amount than you had earlier. So you do have double the amount. By the other hand, we're saying it's infinite, so you don't really have double the amount. It is, so in other words, what we're seeing is that you, infinite doesn't apply to something which is numeric. Uh, infinite is really something that we don't have any examples for it in this world, because everything in this world could be counted. Everything has is, is connected to time and space, and everything could be divided and could be added to, could be taken away from. Therefore, there is no true infinite in this world. And the logic behind it is because we have a rule that you cannot give something that you yourself don't have. I can't give you a million dollars unless I have a million dollars. So Gvul doesn't have like numbers. Gvul is limited by its very nature. It is not Gvul. Numbers is not something which is unlimited. By its very nature, it's something which is limited. It's a unit of time or a unit in space. So as, as many numbers you want to put together, you can never reach Bleakville because Gvul and Bleakville are opposites. So how could from Gvul, even if you have a very large amount of Gvul, how could that ever reach Bleakville if it, the numbers themselves have nothing infinite about them? Therefore, it's impossible for something which is finite to be able to be translated into something which is infinite. The only type of infinite, I shouldn't say only, I don't know that, but the only, the, the, types of inf, the only type of infinite we have or, or by, by numbers um, would be a theoretical type of infinite. It's not a real infinite. It could be a theoretical, oh, theoretically, you can keep on counting. One, two, three, keep on going and going and going and going. There's no end to numbers because you could always just add another unit. So there is this theoretical type of infinite that it theoretically could go on forever, but in practice, it can never be infinite because the more, even the more you add, you could, but you could still add more. So whatever number you're up to, you could still add more and more and more. So it, and you're supposed to take away. So it's never truly infinite. It's just a theoretical infinite that you have the ability to continue going on forever. But it can never truly be infinite because since you could always add to it, that means it's not infinite on its own. So in other words, in this world, uh, the, uh, to have something which is actually infinite, that's impossible. So to go to our, going back to how this connects to our Sicha. So when the Jewish people come to Moshe Rabbeinu and they say, why are you giving us, a, uh, Hashem gave us a bracha which is infinite and you're giving a bracha which is limited, that's actually not what happened. Because that wouldn't have been a problem. They, they understand, of course, that Moshe Rabbeinu cannot give a bracha which is infinite because he himself is part of this world, he's finite. He can only give a bracha which is finite. So he, they understand that the bracha that he would have given had to be something which is limited. So they wouldn't have come to the time, why are you giving us a bracha which is limited? What else was he supposed to do? He couldn't have done more than that. 
And also, when we're talking about the bracha of Hashem itself, even the bracha of Hashem, how it will be translated into this world, also has to be finite. You can't have an infinite amount of descendants. You can have maybe a theoretical type of infinite, that it, the Jewish people will be forever and they keep on having more and more kids. But again, even if it's 30 million years later and they're you know, continuously populating, the number is still getting greater. It's not truly infinite. So the problem over here wasn't that they were saying, Moshe, you're giving a limit while Hashem is infinite, because that's not possible in Oil Hazah. Their, their issue was a bit different. And this is the difference between the Medrash and Rashi. When Hashem gives the bracha, that you should be like a kofresh, a mayim, ka'afa arts, what exactly does that mean? So according to the Medrash, it means it's going to be a massive number. It's going to be so great of a number that some, a number that's usually not counted. You're going to be like the stars of the heaven. How many of the stars of the heaven? Who knows? It's going to be like the stars of the heaven. It's going to be such a massive number that it's going to be something which, which can't be counted. That's how great of the number it will be. So when Moshe Rabbeinu comes, and let's give you, actually bring some proofs for that. And how do we know that Kaifa Yashamayim? So we're basically when we're saying Yashamayim, it doesn't mean infinite. It means a, a massive amount, just like the stars of the heaven or the dirt on the earth. And the truth is, if we, we find in other places of Taira where it talks about Kachol Hayyim, which is, you know, with Kaifa Yashamayim, Kachol Hayyim would go synonymous. If you find a concept of Kaifa Yashamayim that automatically also apply to Kaifa Yashamayim, that we find by Kaifa, by, by the Chol, by dirt, by Yosef, it says that Yosef gathered food, kachol uh, hayam, which cannot be counted. But they had to stop counting because they couldn't count it. So does that mean that Yosef had an infinite amount of food? No, it just meant that he had so much food gathered up for those seven years uh, uh, of surveya, of, of, of which will be used for the seven years of famine. It was such a great amount that he was unable to, they had to stop counting because they couldn't count such a large number. But the point is that we're seeing that even when the Torah uses the Kachal Hayyim, it just means a mass, it's so much, a human being can't count that uh, naturally. It's too much for that. And our story gives many more examples in Tanakh where we find the idea of Kachal Hayyim is used for a very large number that, that cannot be counted. So I believe the Medrash is really explaining the, 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 what happened with Moshe and B'nai Yisrael like this. The B'nai Yisrael are coming to Moshe Rabbein and saying that Hashem gave us this astronomical number, this astronomical amount of, of descendants that we're going to have, like the mind, so big. And then you just say it's going to be a thousand times more. You're putting a much lower number on it. So therefore, Moshe Rabbeinu replies, you know, no, 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 these are two different brachas. You know, the bracha of Hashem, you're still going to get. Let's just go with the medrash. You're going to get it lost at love. While my bracha is for, for now, that you're going to have this very large amount of numbers. So that's how the, uh, the medrash will answer it. That they're both talking about a certain number. It's just that Hashem's number is massive, cannot be counted. While Moshe Rabbeinu's is, it's a thousand times more than the Israel were then, which would be about two million. So they're saying that's for Olam Hazah. When we go to Rashi, Rashi, of course, is Pshutei Shemikra. So Api Pshutei Shemikra, when it says Kekech Be'eshemayim, or Far Ha'arts, it doesn't mean a massive, crazy number like the stars of heaven. Because that's something which is not, even that's not possible on Olam Hazah. The world, uh, the Kadro arts, the globe, has a certain uh, limitation of how many people could literally be on it. At a certain point, even if you put a person on every piece of dry land and everybody had you know, one amma by one amma, they're all squashed, eventually there wouldn't be any more space uh, for people to be able to um, live. So when it says, it doesn't mean literally like the Rather, it means it's, it's an exaggeration. It means 
a, a, a massive, it means of just a very large number, or actually what it really means is Rashi tells us somewhere else. He tells us in Parshas uh, Lech Lecha, when it says that you're going to be like the dirt of the earth and that who is able to count it. So he says, just like you're unable to count the earth, similarly, you're not able to count the Jewish people. What does that mean? He's saying that the Jewish people aren't going to be the same amount as the dirt itself. It means that comparison, the Dibion is not in the number. The Dibion is rather in the inability to be able to count it. So just like you cannot count the dirt, similarly, you will not be able to count the Jewish people. The dirt might be, it's, it's, it's going to be trillions and trillions and trillions of pieces of dirt. The Jewish people won't be that much. But the comparison is only in the fact that neither of them will be counted. One cannot be counted because the dirt of the earth is massive, uh, it's huge, while the Jewish people will also be big, but not that big. The, the, the dimion is only in the inability to, to count them. So, in other words, what, what's, what's, what's happening over here? Let's start again from Rashi. And I'm going to actually add one more question, and then we'll be able to understand Rashi based on this a bit better. The question is, when Rashi starts his pirish, he asks a question. He says, it says in the Pasik that you will be blessed at Al and then the Pasik continues, and then he says, what's going on? What's the difference between the first part of the Pasik and the second part of the Pasik? And therefore he has to bring in the Medrash, that one was the bracha from Moshe Benu, and the other was his reply to the Jewish people about Baruch Hashem. So the question is, why is Rashi from the... It implies from Rashi that the only reason we knew that this was the that the that was the bracha of Moshe Rabbeinu was because of the end of the pasuk. Because since there's two parts of the pasuk, so one is Hashem, Moshe, the other is Hashem. But if let's say the second part of the pasuk wasn't there, then it implies that Rashi wouldn't have said anything. Oh, that would have made sense a thousand times more. But well, how would that have made sense even on its own? It's contradictory to what we already know that Hashem promised the Jewish people that they're going to be. Uh, like the Kaif Beshmai, Mafar Arts. So even without the end of the Pasik, Rashi should have asked the question. Wait a second, Alapamim, so Jewish he should have brought the Medjish. The Medjish said that the Jewish people came and complained. So he said, Well, what this is mine. But from the way how Rashi's writing it, it implies that just from those words itself there wouldn't have been any issue. Oh, a few a thousand times? That's great. It's only because the Pasik says something and, and like additional part of the Pasik, Varakaskan, that's how we know that there's actually two blessings going on over here. But the Shiloh is, why not? And he ta- make it even stronger. The Medrash actually doesn't bring the, the, this, the question of Rashi. Why does it say in the end of the Pasuk, it just starts right away with the question that the Jewish people came and says, wait a second, Moshe, you're giving a limitar brachas. So what's going on? So the explanation of this is, is based on what we've been saying until now, and this will clarify the topic. According to Rashi, when it says that they're going to be like Afar arts and all these things, it doesn't mean literally that number. It just means a very large number. And when Moshe Rabbeinu tells them that you're going to be a thousand times what you are now, which we said is two billion, that's also a very large number. So Mikra, they're not coming to complain to Moshe Rabbeinu, why are you giving us, like, uh, limiting the bracha? Shemikra, like, what do you care? It's, it's like, it's, there's no nafkamina for the people. When they hear a number that you're going to have two billion descendants, that's a nation of two billion that's crazy. That's such a large number. It doesn't make sense for them to come to complain and say, wait a second, your, your blessing is, uh, is not the same as the Shem. This is something that a person would be satisfied with. So when, that's, that's part one. 
that why are they coming to complain? L'chayra, this should have been something, they, they would have been satisfied with that interpretation of Maishu Rabbeinu. Now, Maishu Rabbeinu interprets it to say, oh, well, it means K'ayich K'ayish means two billion. They, should have, they would have been satisfied. That's point one. And there it adds, also V'gamza Iker, that K'ayich V'yashamayim is just used as an exaggeration. Also, when we say, use the Lashon of a thousand times what you are currently, that's also used in, in a way of an exaggeration. These aren't meant literal types of terms. Both of these terms we find in Taira are trying to express a very large number. So when Moshe Rabbeinu is telling them that it means two billion, or even that doesn't mean two billion, it just means a thousand times what you are now, it just means a very, very large number. He's just translating what Hashem said. So according to Pshut Shemikra, Moshe Rabbeinu is not even contradicting what Hashem said or, or giving a different type of blessing. It's just a translation of what Hashem is saying. That when Hashem said that you, uh, who will be able to count you, you'll be like the Afar Arts, what does that mean? It means a thousand times. And what does a thousand times mean? It doesn't even mean a thousand times. It means just a very, very large number. So it's a giving a, some clarification to what uh, was meant, uh, what, what Hashem meant. So therefore, the um, there would no be, be no stira in the Pesukim itself, because this could just be a translation of what was said earlier. But what happened is, so therefore, that's, and that explains our question, why doesn't Rashi just automatically ask the question, A, this isn't the same bracha that Hashem gave, because it would be the same bracha. What's bothering him is that we see at the end of the Pasuk that says, Hashem's going to bless you, what's that coming to add? So once he has the second part, therefore we know that, wait a second, there's two brachas going on over here. There's the bracha that came from Moshe and the bracha that came from Hashem. And, and, and what's talk of the time of the Jewish people? The time of the Jewish people is your giving is not the same as the medrash. The medrash, again, was that means a vast amount, while you're just saying two billion, a much smaller number. According to, as we explained, Rashi, both and also the uh, a thousand times what it is currently just means very large numbers. doesn't mean that there's literally going to be an amount of people on the earth like there are stars in heaven. That's impossible. They just, both of them mean a very large number. The only difference between Moshe and Hashem is that Moshe Rabbeinu is giving some type of measurement to it. And that's what's bothering the Jewish people. They're saying, even if you're giving a translation of what Hashem means, so you're not contradicting, but you're giving a translation which has a number to it. So even if it's not literally a thousand times, even if you want to say, you know what, it's 10,000 times, it's 50,000 times, but you're getting rid of the theoretical infinite that we had with Hashem. Moshe Rizbeinu is giving a number to it. He's giving a count to it. While Hashem didn't give any count to it. So true, as we said earlier, there's no such thing as infinite, true infinity in this world. So however many kids they had, it's never going to be reach infinite. That's impossible. But what there could be is there could be the theoretical infinite that you have 2 billion or 10 billion or 20 billion, keep on adding to the amount of children that had. That could, could always be continuous. There doesn't need to be necessarily a limit to it. While Moshe Rabbeinu, when he says a thousand, even if it doesn't mean a thousand, it can be more than a thousand, but still he's giving some type of kitzvah. He's saying there's going to be some type of number to the amount of descendants there are going to be. And that's what was the complaint of the Jewish people. So what did Moshe answer? So Moshe Rabbeinu answers, this is Mishali. This is how I'm interpreting the bracha. But the bracha that you're actually going to be fulfilled is going to be how Hashem wants it. In other words, that since I'm someone who's limited, as we said earlier, when you give a bracha, it's according to who you are. So I can only give a bracha how I see this bracha, how I'm able to visualize 
what this bracha will mean, and that's how I would verbalize it. So I'm seeing the bracha that you have, and I'm able to imagine it as a thousand times more that you that you are today. Or as we said, it could be a guzma, 10,000, 30,000. But I can only see it, I look at you, and I can imagine you guys being a thousand, 10,000, 30,000 times more than you currently are. But I can't just imagine this idea of a theoretical infinite. That's something that the human mind can't imagine because, as we said, it just keeps on going. So you can't really imagine what that would be. So I have to give some type of number in order to, for it to, me, to make sense to me. Masha'inkin, how is the bracha going to be papayo? The bracha papayo is talking to be Hashem wants, that he could keep on adding and adding. It's going to be even more and more and more. It's going to keep on adding. You can have this theoretical infinite. 1,000 times more, 10,000, 30. It's going to continue, continue going like Hashem said it without any type of kitzvah at all uh, in it. And the Rebbe says, this is, he gives a duma. He says, Alderch dumam voleim mamesh. He says, like we have by the Seir Sedibris. Because the Seir Sedibris were all said, all Seir Sedibris were said by Hashem in one Dibur. And then afterwards, the Dibris were split up and said, uh, each one individually, all 10 said individually. And what was the idea? Is because the Jewish people were not able to grasp all Seir Sedibris in one Dibur. This is something which is higher than the human mind. It cannot grasp such a thing. Therefore, the, the, the Seir Sedibris needed to be repeated, each one separately, for them to take it. So similarly, this is by Moshe Rabbeinu and Hashem. Hashem's giving this bracha, but our minds can't grasp even theoretical type of infant. Therefore, Moshe Rabbeinu had to give some type of, 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 of number to it so it could be grasped by the human mind. And I think, I'm not 100% sure about this, but I think the Rebbe is also trying to add another Nukud over here, is that just like by the Aser Sedibris, when the Aser Sedibris have within them that one Dibur. That one Dibur had to be expressed in 10 Dibris. But it wasn't diminishing the one Dibur that Hashem said. No, it was just taking that one Dibur and expressing it within those 10 Dibris itself. So that the one Dibur could be expressed in a way that we're able to grasp it and, and, and internalize it and, and take, take it. So it could be that the Rebbe is also, maybe, maybe that's Pashat Shat, even in the Sikh, I don't know. But it could be that the Rebbe is trying to say that when Moshe Rabbeinu put it in a way that you could, your mind could grasp it, all what he was doing is, he wasn't changing what I said, he was just taking that same bracha and putting it in a way that your mind could grasp it. So your mind can't grasp, it's going to keep on going. But you could, guys, you could grasp a thousand times more, two thousand times more, fifty thousand times more than you are, a hundred thousand, you know, and however smart you are, you, you can keep on going. So now you have a way to somewhat visualize it, then it's going to keep on going and going and going and going more than what you currently are. So Moshe Rabbeinu wasn't taking away but it was actually the same thing. It's the bracha of Hashem will be translated, will be expressed in a way that you're able to fathom it uh, even with our minds in this physical world. So this answers the questions of the Sicha. So let's just go over some of them and I'll also mention two other questions which I didn't mention at the beginning. One question we had is, what's Moshe Rabbeinu, we're going to just focus on Rashi though, that what's According to Rashi, what's Moshe Rabbeinu adding? Hashem is saying you're going to have it, and he's just saying a thousand times more. That's not adding anything. So the explanation is you're right. He isn't adding anything. He's giving the same bracha of Hashem. It's not one and two. No, it's exactly the same type of bracha. The only difference is that Hashem said in a way that we cannot fathom it, and Hashem was, Moshe Rabbeinu was bringing it down in a way that we could be able to internalize it. The second question that we had was, why does, the, why does Rashi start off with a question about the end of the Pasuk? Why do we need the end of the Pasuk? Why doesn't just Rashi ask, wait a second, 
Moshe saying a thousand times, but uh, we know the bracha to Avraham was in a way that you won't be able to even count the Jewish people, just like the Medrash asked that type of question. So the answer is, because Rashi understands that Moshe Rabbeinu wasn't giving a, wasn't limiting Hashem's bracha. He was just explaining what Hashem's bracha is. He was translating Hashem's bracha in a way that we can understand. So it was never a contradiction. It was never a limitation of that original bracha. Rather, it was a interpretation of that original bracha. So therefore, if it was just uh, Moshe Rabbeinu saying that it would be a thousand times more, Rashi wouldn't have had to have actually said anything because we would have understood when a thousand times that is the same bracha. That when Hashem said you're going to be like, what does that mean? It means two billion, or as we said, Alapam and Pimin, not necessarily even a thousand, just means a astronomical large number. So that's what Moshe Rabbeinu meant. It wouldn't have been any type of contradiction, therefore he wouldn't need to comment. The only reason he comments, he's saying, is because of the end of the Pasuk. What's that coming to add? Because there's the end of the Pasuk, therefore we know that there's some other type of discussion going on, and therefore he has to explain uh, what, what the shock of Atari was between the Jewish people and Moshe Rabbeinu, that what they understood him saying is that he's giving some type of limit to the bracha, and he's telling them, no, 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 I'm not giving you a limit to the bracha. It's still Hashem's bracha. I'm only doing it as I'm just making it in a way that you're able to visualize, in a way that it can be able to come into this world in, in, in a way that you're able to grasp. There's two other questions that the Rebbe asked. Another question is, in, in, in the, uh, in the, in the um, Rashi, he quotes the Pasuk, Miyacho Limnois, who will be able to count? Is, or is a person able to count? That's actually not the beginning of the Pasuk, that's the middle of the Pasuk. The Pasuk is, starts off as Santi Zaracha Kafa Arts, that you're gonna, your children will be like the Afa Arts. So, and that's actually what the Medrash quotes. So why does Rashi not quote the beginning of the Pasuk like the Medrash? Rather, it just starts from the middle of the Pasuk. So the explanation is, because according to Rashi, he's explaining that the tiny of the Yidin was not that Hashem said we be as much as the Afa Arts and you're only saying two billion. That was never the issue. The issue was that Hashem said, it would be something that you're unable to count. So if you're unable to count it, that's not, no number was ever given. So it could continue going. We have no idea how large that number would be. But you're giving some type of number to it. That was always the problem. That's why Rashi just quotes the middle of the Pasuk, because he's trying to say, well, the difference was never that there's a contradiction. Because we don't know really how much Hashem meant when he said, that who would be able to count it, because technically you can't count two billion either. So it was never a contradiction. You can't count two billion, and therefore would have fit into the Pasuk. Their problem was only, true, it might fit into Hashem's bracha, but you're limiting what Hashem's bracha is going to be, because it could have been even more than two billion. And therefore, as we know, Moshe says, you're right, Hashem's bracha will be talking more than that. I'm just giving you a way how to be able to visualize it. And it should be mentioned that in the Medrash, um, it actually brings two it first brings a Pasuk from Pasha's Tildes, which says that the Jewish people will be like the Herbesi Zaracha Kreich Beshemaim, that I'll, I'll increase your children like the Kreich Beshemaim, and then it says Santi Zaracha Kapa Arts, and I'll, I'll make your children like the Ataha Arts, which is from Pasha's Lachlacha, which is not in the right order. Why does the Medrash do that? So it's beautiful, according to the Bishap. He's saying is because, how, because the Medrash is learning that when it says arts, it means literally that you're going to have that same amount of numbers. So if you only would have brought the Pasuk from Lech Lecha, we could have typed out the same like Rashi. Oh, it doesn't mean literally. It just means that it's going to be such a large amount that you're unable to count it. It'll be a number that cannot be counted. But it doesn't mean literally like the Afar Arts. The Dimyut to offer can mean 
the inability to count, not the actual amount of offer that there is. Therefore, the Medrash first brings Santi, that you're going to be like where it doesn't mention at all this idea of being able to count, the star, uh, this idea of being unable to count. It just says you're going to be like the stars. So therefore, it can mean literally. You're literally going to be the same amount of stars. Once you have that pasik, then you can go back to Parshish Lachlach, you know, and, and understand when it says Santi it means the same way as the stars. Meaning is, with, with the same amount as the stars are, which are truly a, 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 an, an awesome number. And the last question was the Divra Maskol of Rashi. Rashi Lachair is only coming to explain Elif Pa'amin, what the thousand times mean. What is the thousand times? Lachair Ramosh Rabbein is saying a thousand times, but Hashem said you won't be able to count the number. So it should have just quoted the words Elif Pa'amin because of the contradiction or, or, or the limitation that Moshe Rabbein was given. So the answer is that that part of the Divra Maskol is very relevant. Because that's relevant to the answer what Moshe Rabbeinu is trying to give them. It says you're going to be a thousand times more. Yosef Aleichem Kachem have added to you a thousand times more than you are now. He's trying to explain to you how's Moshe's bracha is working. Why does he have to say that you're going to be a thousand times more than you are right now? Just say you're going to be Chavez 10 billion. The reasoning is because he's saying I, I have to visualize the bracha. I can only give you a bracha that I'm able to imagine, I'm able to see. So I'm able to see who you are, and I can imagine, looking at all the Jewish people, the two million people which are here, I can imagine this being a thousand times more. But it has to be something which is visualized. Therefore, Rashi brings those words that how Moshe gave the bracha, that he gave a description, some type of uh, a thing that you're able to visualize to show that Moshe always has to visualize, and therefore the type of bracha that he gave was also based on this visualization. So that answers all the questions of the Sicha. The Rebbe continues with the Yenish Shaltair, and the Yenish Shaltair is very beautiful because it's going to add a lot of Hezbo also to the Rashi itself. As we know that, that the, uh, all the part, different parts of Torah are connected. So the Bira Pi Chassidus will add, add Hezbo also to the Bira Pi Pshat. So we're going to start with Rashi, but the Rebbe actually explains Rashi and the Medrash. So the Rebbe explains that, that the Bracha of Hashem came from Chachma of Atzilas, while the Bracha of Moshe came, uh, came with comes from Bina of Atzilus. What's the difference from where the bracha comes from? The idea is that the Chachma, it's the, the main idea of Chachma is that it's able to, it's the idea of light. It's able to perceive the light. It's able to perceive the answer. It sees, when you first have that flash of wisdom, what you're able to internalize, what you're able to hold on to, is just the general concept of what's being said. You're able to see the light, you're able to see the answer. So it's very clear to you what the answer is, but you're unable to necessarily verbalize it. So what's felt is the or, not so much the kli. While Balbina, what's felt is actually the kli, meaning is, okay, you're taking the idea, and now you have to actually bring it down into details, to make it the oirich, the roichev, you have to make applications. How exactly will this work you know, in the real world, in, in a sense. So you could have an idea, but then you also have to figure out how would that idea be actually be visualized? How would you say this over in words? Is this something that could be expressed? Or I can't actually give an example of it. I could just... So Chachma is seeing the idea for what the idea is. So it has the... So what's the Kli that Chachma has? The Kli the that Chachma has is, is the Gidri HaSeichel. There are rules of Seichel, and Chachma is taking the ideas, but it makes sense according to the rules of Seichel, but those rules of Seichel and how it, all the details are not as much felt. Because again, because when you have the Chachma, you really just have the flash of insight. So the flash of insight is still insight, meaning it's Seichel. So you have the rules of Seichel. It has to 
actually makes sense. So it is a Kli. A Kli is the idea of the, the limitations to it. So it's not unlimited. It is a, a Dvar Seichel, which has limits and, and has how, you know, where, how it's able to be translated. How will it be able to be explained eventually? But, but what's felt at that point is actually not all the details, not all the how to answer it, how do you be able to apply. It's just really the idea itself at that point in time. Mashenkin by Bina, what Bina does is what's really felt is the cleave, that you're taking the idea and you say, okay, how do we able to put this into many, many different types of scenarios? You're able to feel the oisius, the words, uh, you know, how would I answer the question here? How does it fit into the words? Uh, how, how would it fit into another place, which seems a contradiction? What, whatever all the different questions or scenarios could be, Bina is about bringing it into a, the words, bringing it to a plea. There's much more limitations. You're able to feel the limitations. That's what Bina is trying to do. It's trying to make it more relevant uh, to the person. So this is also the same idea with the bracha. Uh, the bracha of Hashem is given in a way of chachma. It's given to this world. So true, it's going to be in a way that this world is able to handle it. So it's not going to be literally like the dirt on the earth or the, the stars in heaven like the Medrash learns. That's impossible. That doesn't make sense at all in this world. So that's impossible. Uh, yes, you might be able to count to that number, but that's something which is not shy in this world. As we know, the Jewish people, even more than that, the Jewish people are supposed to be living in Eretz Yisrael. So how are you going to have the amount of Jewish people, which are going to live only inside Eretz Yisrael? This is something which is not uh, fathomable uh, in Oil of Hazah. Right? How would that number be able to fit into Eretz Yisrael? That's something which is not shy. Therefore, it doesn't fit into the Gidre HaSeichel. It doesn't fit into the Gedorm of Oil of Hazah. Therefore, even up Seichel or Chachma, it's going to just be an extremely large number, which Hashem doesn't give a count for, doesn't give a number for. Um, but then Moshe Rabbeinu comes and says, even that's, okay, so it's going to be a very high number, but what exactly does that mean? You need to be able to visualize that. What type of number is something that I'm able to visualize? It's like, oh, I could visualize a thousand times what it is now. Or, or again, a thousand doesn't need to be literal, but it means some type of uh, numeric of how you the Jewish people are right now. They're able to be able to put it into some type of visualization of how that would work. And I guess Moshe Rabbeinu was talking about judges at that time. This is my own little two cents. He's probably also imagining, you know, he's trying to explain to them why they have to have judges and Moshe Rabbeinu can't do it on their own. He's imagining, oh, a nation of two billion, two billion, you know, uh, how many judges they would need and the, the judicial system and the government. It has, to, he's looking at it practically. Okay, how, how would that be on, on the ground? So that's the difference between Chachma and Bina. So what we're seeing, according to Hasidus, how it's adding in Rashi is, right, Rashi's telling us that Moshe Rabbeinu is um, putting in a way that we're able to more visualize it, in a way that we're able to understand it. What Hasidus adds, a much deeper uh, idea, is it's not just that the way that we're visualizing it. It's actually the bracha itself is becoming put into Kalim. Then instead of the, the bracha just in Ar of Chachma, meaning is it's that it's more of a spiritual idea which cannot really be internalized in this world. What Moshe Rabbeinu is doing is he's pulling that bracha down into the world one step more that, okay, how would this bracha look, look on the ground? So he's putting it into a way that it'd be able to be able to be internalized into this world. And then when you have all those people, uh, it, it, everything would actually work. So by Hashem, it's not, it's not visualized. It's not practical how it is in that. In, in, in this world. What Moshe Rabbeinu is doing is he's taking the bracha and, and bringing down that or in a way that it'll be able to be in Kalim that it could actually be able to be uh, uh, you know, practiced and be able to be utilized. It's like, I'll just throw an example. It's as if Hashem was saying, you're going to have you know, an amazing amount of light in this world. So having an amazing amount of light doesn't really help us if we don't have a way to be able to appreciate that light. Like if the sun's going to be 
right next to us. That's too much. We have no way to be able to uh, know how to utilize that. So it wouldn't even be a bracha. It has to be in a way that we're able to, uh, you know, keep the sun at a certain distance, be able to utilize more solar energy, very vast. Or let's say even maybe a better example with the rain. You want to have a lot of rain. But having rain, but you don't have the kalim to be able to make sure the rain's coming in a proper way, is not going to help us. So what Moshe Rabbeinu is doing is he's taking that bracha and he's putting it in a way that will actually be, ben- be beneficial for us. And that's what Moshe Rabbeinu is doing. So it's the same bracha. It's just in a way that we're able to uh, appreciate it and be able to have it be more valuable for us. What about the medrash? So the medrash, the Rebbe explains, comes from a diary which is higher than Eilamas. It's, it's, it's talking about a level of Kesser. While Moshe Rabbeinu's bracha is from the 10 spheres. What does that mean? The Medrash, of course, we know is Pnimi Satara, looks at things how they truly are. So if the Torah says that the Yidu will be Kakaifei Shemaim, the Pnimi Nyanim, how it is Lamaila, that is literal. So how it is Lamaila, that's how it truly is. It's just how things come into this world, nothing can come into this world as something which is truly infinite, as we explained at the beginning of this year. There's no such thing as infinite in this year. So even a concept that's just truly infinite, Lamaila, how it comes into this world, it needs to have some type of, uh, of lavush um, for it to be able to be clothed in, so it could be perceived and appreciated in this world. Uh, that's why the Rebbe explains, Chassidus explains in other places, where it says uh, about the uh, fortified cities with walls all the way into the heavens. So it does, well, what does that mean, Palpip Shadim? It just means they had very high walls. He says, it's because the Shoyosh Lamaila, it was literally a type of city which had walls which, are, which, which reached the heavens. That is the truth. It was uh, you know, to the, to the heavens, whatever that means spiritually. But how it comes into this world where you've got to put it into something which has limits, it means very high walls. So within the Gvul, which is extremely high walls, which are like uh, extraordinary high walls, that expresses that same concept, which would be Lamaila in the Oilam Selayonim, whereas literally to the Shemaim, but here you're able to somewhat get, get that, see that idea in the height of the wall. So, same thing over here. So, when Hashem says that you're going to be Shemaim, the Medrash says that's literal. But how, how does it come down to this world? So, how it comes down into this world, there's always going to be a number. But the number will be awesome. It will be like literally like the Afahar Arts, Shemaim. How is that possible? We don't know. But it's something that we can imagine. There's no limitations that are being brought. So th- that concept, how it is Lamaila, comes straight down here in that same way. The only difference is, as it is in Shemaya, it will be truly infinite, what the true infinite is. But in this world, it will be a theoretical infinite, or, or I shouldn't say theoretical infinite, it will be an awesome number, uh, which we cannot even imagine what this number would be, like the, the stars of the heaven and the, the dirt which is on the earth. Uh, and Moshe Rabbeinu's bracha is a totally separate bracha. Moshe Rabbeinu's bracha was from the Esser spheres, and he was giving a different bracha, which had, uh, you know, which was meant for Elam Hazah, while Hashem's bracha was meant for Lavai, or as we said, Moshe's bracha didn't have the same amount of additions, because again, it's connected to, it's part of the 10 spheres, it's automatically somewhat related to us. Which is something which is completely not relatable. The only way for us to be able to receive that bracha is if we make it clear exactly how Hashem said, and then we're able to appreciate that type of uh, infinite uh, or which comes into this world um, with the Lavush Gashmi. So I just want to make sure it's clear that even according to the Medrash, how it comes into this world, it will be limited to some extent. It will just be that limit will be an awesome uh, type of limit, that it's going to be literally like how many, how many, how many stars there are in heaven. 
Um, and the, the lesson the Rebbe finishes off is, is that the, nowadays we know from the Rizal, you're supposed to be Sparnas in Mene, you're supposed to be learning from Pneumis until you get actually sustenance from it. And part of that is to be able to connect the Pneumis with the Pshat. And so, so, so over here, how the Pirish Rashi on the Chumash, the Pshat, is enhanced by the Pneumis that gives us a much deeper appreciation of uh, the Rashi and also at the same time the Pneumis